Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. How much longer is it going to get you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon? When is the season end? God, it's going to be so nice planning to not map my October around playoff games. That's going to be wonderful. The New York Yankees are the worst team in baseball. Uh, Not only is their season over, but they find ways to build you back up before tearing you down again and ending it for real, which is crazy unhelpful. Just lose a fart noise. Just lose a fart noise game. Lose 9-2 like you did yesterday to effectively end the season and lose a series to Chicago White Sox, the final straw of the campaign. Just lose it 9-2. Don't go down 4 nothing. Make it 5-2. Load the bases with nobody out in the seventh inning. Make people who turn the game off turn it back on only to receive a strikeout looking and a double play from the 8-9 hitters. Then an Anthony Volpe pinch hitting appearance to lead off the next inning for the first baseman with nobody on base. What are you doing, Nathaniel Hackett? Luis Severino does not get another start for the rest of this year. He can't. Luis Severino technically did not get a start yesterday. And shout out to the commenter on the YouTube channel. This video is called He Cannot Make Another Start. The commenter is like, well, actually, he didn't make a start yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, pitching bulk innings beginning in the second inning with no backup plan, that's pretty much the same thing as giving him a start. And if it's not a start, well, then he can't do that again either. We'll, we'll obviously talk about the sad story of Sevy. The idea that firing Brian Cashman for creating this mess is not even on the table, according to Bob Clappish, who we believe because he makes us angry in this particular instance. Everson Pereira coming up, maybe, kind of seems like it, kind of seems like it's going to happen too late. And, uh, man, the Phillies just continue to find vibes that the Yankees cannot seem to uncover. The Phillies and Dave Dombrowski are vibe-sniffing dogs, and the New York Yankees are getting stopped at airport security with a criminally low amount of vibes. I hate this team. I hate this team so much. You can find us hating this team on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review and a mailbag question. Find us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. Thanks for coming, everyone in the comments. Uh, Yeah, I am tired of this team not mattering, not mattering at all. And oh boy, do they ever not matter at all. Thomas Carinante, you have a special offer in case our watchers, listeners, viewers are still watching sports. 
Yeah, this is for the listeners. Thanks for tuning in, guys. It's not for Yankees fans because we you simply can't be a fan right now. This team is this team sucks. Well, it's a um, vent, it's a vent session. Like I, I yeah. said this to you, and I've said it, I was like, I better not get messages complaining about this team in August and September. Like, I'm trying to go to the beach. This is not a major league baseball team. It's not it's a it's an under 500 team. I don't really care if they bring Nick Ramirez into a two-run game on September 4th. I I, I just like I don't want to, so I won't. I won't. I won't, but we have an unbeatable offer for you if that's what you're looking for. It's from Caesar Sportsbook, everybody. New customers can get their first bet insured up to $1,250 by using our code YGYFULL, F-U-L-L, at sign-up. Not only will your first bet be fully insured, but you'll also have uh, be directly supporting the podcast. Great, fun, we're here for the bad times, we're here for the good times. We're not sugarcoating anything, so it's fun to be with us. Keep that up. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so if you haven't already joined the Caesar Sportsbook community, now is the perfect time to make your move. Just remember the code YGYFULL. You got to punch that in during during sign-up, and you got to place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are uh, 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description descriptions for full terms of the offer. Um what are the full terms of my offer rescinding my fandom and just becoming Rob Lowe baseball fan? That's what I want. I just want to wear <laughs> I don't want to be hat. here. I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to wear the MLB hat. I want to go to different games and I want to enjoy myself. Um, because man, I watched I watched all of those games, or I started watching all of those games and then decided at some point that I was turning it off. Like, you know, when they started scoring runs the other night, I was like, great, they finally shut it down. I don't need to watch them potentially blowing this. Um, first night after Cease got into all that trouble on Monday and they didn't score any runs, you just knew they weren't scoring any runs, which they didn't. Um, and then last night, probably the biggest offense of all, um, I don't know what the plan was. Let's talk about the plan, the big plan that they had for Luis Severino. Um, because before the game, um, Aaron Boone said Luis Severino was not starting because the Yankees needed the best chance possible to win. Every game matters at this point. How how can it not? The first time he says something where it's like, wow, the urgency is here. This team needs to start uh, you know, buckling down and here they're doing it. They're not going to start Luis Severino, but the plan was to bring him in in the second inning. Ian Hamilton threw 10 pitches as the quote opener. He hadn't pitched since August 5th and you're not going to throw him for a second inning just to see what you got to see if you could buy yourself some more time. The whole point of the opener thing is to get Severino out of the heart of the order. Hamilton goes uno dos adios to start this game. Uh, Tim Anderson swinging at a changeup, a slambio away, uh, 10 pitches, three outs. And you're like, all right, that worked. He was disgusting. Can't wait to see him against four, five, six. Then bring in Sevy for seven, eight, nine. And if he's bad, hit the button and get him out of there. Nope. There's Severino for the heart of the order. The hardest hit double you've ever seen from Yoan Mancata <laughs> moves to third on a grounder. Rip single by Yasmani Grandal, who before this series, and we'll get into the White Sox bullshit, was accused of uh, trying to leave the team before the All-Star break during a game, and Tim Anderson said, I'll pay for your flight, and Yasmani Grandal got punched? Or punched Tim Anderson? He like, that's the Tim guy. Anderson, and then yeah, he slapped him. I mean, that's the guy who who was just 
in such a good headspace that he was like, oh, Severino hanger. Great. Can't wait to deposit this into the outfield grass. Um, and do not get it twisted. Luis Severino might be tipping his pitches. He might have, you know, rotation uh, of his hips problems. He might have wind up issues. But he's also throwing 95 mile an hour fastballs in the opposite corner of the plate from where he intends it. He is hanging cement mixers as cement filled as you have ever seen them. The pitch that he gave up the two run shot to Oscar Colas on yesterday was as if a softball pitcher or or a 12 year old was trying to you remember when you were little and you threw a curveball and you at first you were like, I think I got it because you were just throwing it slow so that it naturally went down after being up. You're like, I figured it out. And your dad's like, how are you gripping that? And you're like, the same way as always. I'm just going and throwing it up and down. That's what Severino gave to Oscar Colas. He hit a two-run home run. It's extremely sad. And I'm not going to go here. It's people yesterday on Twitter, because Twitter's toxic. X, sorry, X is toxic. We're like, oh, do you feel bad for other people at other jobs who are bad at their job? And the answer is, Kind of. I feel bad whenever I encounter a stupid person, but I definitely feel bad that Luis Severino used to be one of the top 10 most talented pitchers in baseball and now has next to no talent. Um, You're not if if you tell me I'm waiting for the phantom uh, injury to become a real injury. Yeah, he was throwing 100 against San Diego like two months ago. Then his next start in L.A. was the worst start I'd seen in my Mm -hmm. life. And then the Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson meme, worst start you've ever seen in your life so far. And then I saw like 10 worst starts this summer. But he went from 100 to 95, 96 in one start. Yeah. He, he one hit the Padres and then couldn't get it out. His ERA is over eight. He subtracted yeah. two uh, wins above replacement, according to B-War from the New York Yankees. Two wins. That's a crazy. pitcher has taken away two wins from the Yankees this year. And that's conservative because in reality, he's taken away a win from the team almost every time yeah. he toes the rubber. Uh, he's got to go. Uh, it's crazy that starting him in the second inning yesterday didn't fix all of his problems. But the pitches are slower. The pitches are without hop. The location is terrible. I think he's injured. And I got into a little minor tiff with somebody yesterday who was like, he's probably trying to pitch through an injury to make sure that he's able to show off his best self ahead of free agency. This is helping. An injury rehab gives you an excuse. This is just showing your ass to the American public and, and whoever's going to spend money on free agents this offseason. How is this helping? It's not. And I would, my whole thing here is the logic on with utilizing him because the stats show he's bad in general. That's what's happened. It's sad. We've talked about it the last few episodes. His post game commentary has been depressing. You feel for the guy. There's no one out there like, that you know wants his head on a pike because usually uh, Yankee fans are doing that type of thing where they, they they can't stand a certain player and it's their they go on a crusade to make sure that they're run out of town. It's mostly it's it's a lot like the Carlos Rodon situation. It's just like it's sad and you don't understand what's going on and you feel bad and then you're left to blame the decision makers and the decision makers continually putting so many players in bad positions. Luis Severino though chief among them. One scout told Eric Boland that he was baffled by the how the team only viewed Severino's main issue as his first inning struggles, um, which obviously exist. They are a problem. But no he has he has a four point five ERA in the second, an eight point five an eight point five three ERA in the third, a four point seven six ERA in the fourth, a seven point six ERA in the fifth. So 
in theory, if you were going to bring in Luis Severino to be a bulk reliever for you in any instance, it would have to be you up a shitload of runs, which is the second choice. And the first choice is you down a shitload of runs because at that point, it doesn't matter. You're getting the work in, you're saving the bullpen, whatever you're doing. At this point, that's probably his role. I understand they needed to get some sort of length out of their pitching staff, but they had a day off today. So they could have extended themselves a little, a little bit in the sake of grabbing a win. You could have went one more inning with Hamilton, bringing in Severino at that point at a tie game to face the heart of the order when he, when starting somebody in, not starting somebody in the game and then bringing them in for the second inning is not a solution in any world, unless it's another reliever where you're just trying to mix it up. Luis Severino switching the inning he's coming in to pitch for a lengthy amount of time is obviously not going to change anything with his approach, um, especially because his his pri- chief struggle is the first uh, group of batters that he's facing. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. It's his probably- chief struggle is, is facing major league hitters, yeah. which is a bummer because it's kind of what he has to <laughs> it's do. It's kind of his job. But again, it's more agree. This is to me, it's more egregious in the decision making for the Yankees. They had how long he, his last start was five days ago. It was an absolute disaster. They said everything was on the table. Everything was on the table. Everything. Right there. Right there on the table, right in front of you. Um, you. And we're coming off a start where it's, you know, my favorite extra from the Dark Knight. The guy who goes, this is worse than ever. That is what (laughs) Luis Severino was last week against the Astros. Continue. It's and they they sat there and they told us that they were exploring everything. They were obviously talking to him because he had been open to a number of changes and whatnot. And they ended up for five days I, I deliberating or maybe not deliberating. That's I guess maybe that would be the safer decision or that would be the safer assumption here. Um, that he would come in after one person pitched one inning. And that was that was how they decided to solve this. And I don't maybe know. How. They, maybe they showed him a calendar again. Remember when they showed him a calendar yeah, last year to injured. explain what 60 days was? Like <laughs> maybe they showed him a list of the numbers one through nine. And he was like, So, Luis, like usually you pitch in one. Today you're pitching in two. Like, and then he <laughs> ripped it up again. You're like, On what planet is it a bad idea? And I've talked about this for a while because I like doing weird pitching stuff, especially in the postseason when, you know, you have your hands tied in some games when. Maybe a starter completely screws up and can only go two innings, and then your bullpen's taxed. What what would have been wrong with the Yankees working their way backwards? Ian Hamilton, who else? Who else even pitched last night? Because I turned it off after they even I, I turned it off and then I turned it back on. But I don't even know who else pitched. Just go Ian Hamilton for one or two, and then go with the next reliever that you would have gone with after Severino in any event, and then go with the next reliever that you would have gone on. You know, after that, if if somebody else were to screw up or you would have had to change in for the sake of matchups and then go Severino to close, you know, the last three or four innings of the game. I would do that, but keep your closer behind him. Like, yeah, keep like go. uh, Yeah. They ultimately use Middleton uh, after Severino. He was fine. They used Wandy Peralta. He was great. They used Albert Abreu. He was a gas can. Yeah, and then they use Nick Ramirez, who is also a gas can. So why can't you? you why yeah. can't you go Hamilton and Abreu for the first four innings of the game? Or you could have. I mean, you don't have Michael King, right? But you sure. could do Hamilton for two, Wandy for an inning and two thirds, which you ultimately threw Middleton for two. Then all of a sudden, you're you're into the sixth. 
then you can use Severino for a couple. And Clay Holmes is not pitched for five days. You can yeah. you can use Clay Holmes. Um, Clay Holmes, by the way, uh, the game was important enough yesterday that they're putting Hamilton in the first inning and they're messing around with everybody, but not important enough to bring Clay Holmes in in a 5-2 game to get some work ahead of an off day. We, we got to bring Albert Abreu and Nick Ramirez in at the end of this game. And, I mean, you look, we could do another 35 minutes on Severino, but – when did you turn that game off yesterday, right? When Severino is leaving the game, you're like, all right, I'm good. And when did you turn it back on? Because you want to see a dead body when they have the bases loaded and no outs in the seventh. That's when you turn it back on. Uh, I know every fan thinks that their team is the worst team in baseball with runners in scoring position, but it's legit insane. Three that they loaded the bases. They loaded the bases with no outs in the first game of this series, uh, no runs. They loaded the bases three times in the first game of the series and got one run. The second time was with a couple outs, so, you know, forgivable. Um, but then they load the bases with no outs again yesterday, and you're kind of saying to yourself, like, well, they're not actually going to do this again because because teams don't, like, actually do this, like, four times in a series. Uh, the 2023 New York Yankees do, and they were gone in a matter of seconds. You yeah. turn it on with the bases loaded okay. and no outs, you got a, a looking strikeout and an easy tailor-made ground ball double play in a hilarious display of ineptitude and as talking jake pointed out last night the yankees struck out 14 times looking in this series with runners in scoring position that feels like a thing where you're like man that's a bad month yeah 14 strikeouts looking with runners in scoring position that is a rough july nope series series against the most dysfunctional team in baseball not called the new york yankees because right now that's that's us but mm -hmm. other than us it's the White Sox who wouldn't put Keenan Middleton's name on the scoreboard after we, you know, after he called out the organization. Ozzie Guillen said the manager needs to go on the pregame show before this series. Again, Tim Anderson got slapped in the head. Again, Tim Anderson just got decked by Jose Ramirez, but somehow played games one and three of this series while appealing his suspension. The White Sox are getting giggled at from all corners of the baseball landscape, and they're the ones who just pummeled you. Yeah, that was my issue with this whole thing because you know trash talk never works out for the Yankees. It's it, it hasn't worked. I don't remember the last time it it turned out in our favor. But Keenan Middleton saying that on Sunday, not that I'm in opposition of it because he should speak his mind, especially when he's coming from a toxic situation and gets to land ostensibly in a, a setting where he thinks he can win, but he can't. So you will not be winning this year. Sorry, Keenan. Um, but he says that before the series against the White Sox. And of course, there's some sort of cosmic energy that prepares the White Sox for this moment. And they say, oh, you know what? You're going to come into town. You're going to talk shit on us. The manager, after, right before the first game of this series um, uh, for the White Sox, essentially blasted the team and was like, the guys that we had here were not leaders and you know, essentially put us in a bad spot. And now here we are. And not only that, Ozzy Guillen on NBC Sports Chicago called him out for saying that those for saying that those players were not leaders because he said that the manager should have detected in spring training who his leaders were and set the tone with them. So you have the manager blaming the players, and then you have the media blaming the manager for how bad this team. They're forty-seven and sixty-eight or whatever. Something, something the like most, they have been running they have running the last two years have been the most disappointing team in baseball talent wise uh they're they're in a very weak division they should not be performing 
They should not be underperforming to this magnitude, and they have been absolutely awful. So that you throw in the Tim Anderson knockout, they were the laughing stock of the internet for the weekend, even though they ended up beating the Guardians those two games. But it is what it is. Either way, the Yankees had this on a silver platter with all of this toxic stuff coming in, um, and they laid down. They let it happen. Even in the win, even in the one win that they had, they struck out 17 times. Yeah. Which, embarrassing for the White Sox, you would think that the Yankees could – actually capitalize on that the white Sox are 0 and 11 this year when striking out at least 14 batters the one of the craziest stats that is a yankee stat that you will see because you you if you follow katie sharp on twitter there is a new doomsday stat for the yankees every single day and even in the win even in the win the yankees struck out 17 times and made themselves look stupid all around embarrassing i don't know what i didn't even want what happened in the post game did anyone watch the post game i didn't watch the post game of that, I, I mean, they don't. No, make... last night of last night. What was? Oh, was there an explanation God. for Severino? Not really. I mean, again, he said he was willing to try anything, like up to and including a minor league assignment. You would hope. Um, they they talked to him. Uh, apparently, that Gary Phillips talked to Matt Blake and company like a week ago and said, "What would have to happen for you to consider that?" And he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to consider it pretty soon." And I think these last two starts have only made that consideration. I don't think. I mean, I'm, look, I'm going to be wrong, but I, I don't think you could put Luis Severino in a Yankee uniform again, which is a really sad way for this career to end. I would agree. He is not being re-signed in free agency here. The Yankees yeah. cannot give him a qualifying offer. You can't risk him taking one year $17.8 million or whatever it is. He'll take that. So um, he's, he, he'll take that because he was supposed to build up his value this year, and he did the exact opposite. You couldn't imagine a, a worse way to, to change your value in one year. Um, I don't think... Well, I like you can't you can't see him in this uniform ever again until old timers day when he deserves an ovation for what he's done for this franchise, but is maybe not going to he'll get it. I mean, it'll all be forgotten. This season will be forgotten. This season will be buried in two weeks when we're watching the Astros and Braves play in the World Series and being like, man, the Yankees are not in this echelon. They're not even in this. They're not in this sport. This is two different teams playing a different sport. Um, yeah, the, the other teams have finally closed the gap on us. We say as we finish 18th in Major League Baseball. Um, I, I guess he probably will be on the mound in five days, though. But I, I think you just have to take him out of baseball. I think you need to send him to Scranton. And now that he's saying he's willing to try anything, he's calling himself the worst pitcher in baseball. Pitching requires confidence. So on top of all of this, he's probably injured. He's probably injured. But on top of all of this, he's as not confident as he's ever been. So send him to the minor leagues, and it might not fix him. It'll just wind down the clock until he can leave and sign elsewhere for $8 million next season. Yeah, and you have Randy Vasquez, who came up a couple of times and was good. And you have a non-playoff team. You have a team that's going to finish under 500. So just get the embarrassing guy out of here. Get the embarrassing guy out of here. If you can, if you can contend for a playoff spot, great. There, you cannot get worse than Luis Severino at this moment, and that is not an insult to him. It is statistics based. He, the however many starts that he's, I think it was seven out of his last nine starts or something like that. He, he's literally. That's why WAR is a funny stat to me. He literally lost the Yankees seven out of his last nine starts. So I don't know yeah, how exactly. the WAR is only negative two. Um, because even then, in the logic, if he gave them a chance to win in the other two games, it would still be negative five so that would I don't be know. a more fun way a more fun way to use war would definitely be just like <laughs> take one win away from a pitcher every time he's god awful so at the end of the year you're like wow the league leaders in war are like jordan lyles is a minus 15 like, <laughs> oops. either way though you have these young players you already started randy vasquez's clock just 
keep them here. You need to prepare for 2024. And if you weren't going to make any deadline acquisitions, which we'll talk about in a minute because there was an egregious miss at this point, um, if the Yankees believed in this unit and didn't want to spend too much and wanted to add a veteran who could provide some value down the stretch, stretch, then you need to utilize the prospects and service time be damned. Who gives a shit about it at this point? You already wasted enough money. You already wasted enough of everybody's time. If you're going to lose a half a year or a year of a player, it doesn't matter. If they're going to help you get or get over the hump and close this gap in the wild card race, and it'll be worth every penny. It's not going to happen, but at this rate, you have to put a better product on the field because you have players playing out of position everywhere. You have pitchers who, who, who can't be taking the mound and be responsible for uh, uh, giving the offense any breathing room to stay in a game. Um, it's happened far too many times, and this series has to be the one where the Yankees – I mean, they've had to look in the mirror for a while now because they haven't won a series since June 23rd. Um, but you lose to a series to the White Sox like this – after all that they've been through, now it's time. Now it's time to start making decisions that you were hesitant about before, for whatever reason you might have been hesitant for. We still don't know why, but now things have to change for the better. And at the very least, it's going to prepare you for. It's going to give a lot of young guys a head start for next year, and that has value in it, regardless if you make the playoffs this year or not. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, uh, before we move on to the people who are safe, the people who will be back next year, I do think it's worth noting that Davey Garcia news has ramped up in the last like 20 minutes. Eric yeah. Kratz went on foul territory to say uh, they did him wrong. Quote, he caught his debut. Remember, he was the catcher during yep. the 2020 season when Garcia came up. They had a special bond at the alternate site. He says the Yankees didn't have the right coaching available to him. And I agree. No one is arguing that Davey Garcia was good at all since 2020. Yep. He was not. He was dreadful. But did you know that before 2021, they changed his motion to try to get more rotation in his delivery and it immediately threw him off and he started being very hittable. And then they tried to go back and put the toothpaste back in the tube and get him back to his old self. And he gave a bunch of quotes that was like, I'm close to what I was doing before, but he obviously wasn't because he was still walking people and putting up 6.8 ERAs at AAA. Anyway, the White Sox just picked him up. So he did not clear waivers. He's going to Chicago, the only organization as dysfunctional as the New York Yankees. And that is sad because his time in baseball is, is teetering, uh, much like Luis Severino. Although Severino is going to get paid this offseason something. I mean, he was probably going to get $40 million. He now may get one year six mm. or something. Uh, David Garcia's future even more in doubt because the Yankees, who have been pretty good at man, I mean, they've been good at creating bullpen pieces. They've been good at streamlining people's deliveries. They've been good at, at printing pictures the last couple of years, but they messed up Davey Garcia. They did. And now he's gone. Messed up Davey Garcia, messed up Sonny Gray. Um, it's the day. Sonny Garcia. Gray was Larry Roth's child. So like you, That's you true. really do think like, all right, well that old regime that used to fuck with pitchers is gone, but Matt Blake and company tried to get Dave Garcia to be something he wasn't. Uh, that is, I, I don't have a lot of criticisms for Matt Blake. I think he's very good at his job. He, he's trying to print relievers and he's doing it. 
Yeah. He's maximizing velocity in the minors. He's creating guys like Chase Hamp. The scouting of minor league pitchers is actually very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes when you have like a little imperfect nugget like Davey Garcia, who's like, hey, he's 5'8". He doesn't throw like any other pitcher. He gets a lot of velocity out of this weird motion that works for him. Maybe we don't have to change that. Maybe we don't have to be like, couldn't you be more like X, Y, Z? Couldn't you like add a cutter? Why isn't your changeup in the top percentile? Could you yeah. bump your changeup 20 RPMs? Like, we don't really have to be fucking with Davey Garcia's motion as much as we did. And uh, also add in the confident diminisher of you're going to start a playoff game. Oh, you gave up a home run to Randy Rosarena. Now you're going to leave a playoff game. Goodbye. Like, yeah. that mental warfare plus, you know, literally taking his motion and saying we were going to change what works for you. Coaching is coaching, but there's – coaching there's tweaking and then there's like hey let's break this down and change it entirely uh certainly seems like the Yankees messed this man up and and the regime that we've largely trusted to get this one thing right kind of seems like they got it wrong good luck in Chicago not where I wanted to see you land that's another another bad org no but yeah I mean yeah good for him uh get somewhere else get back on track figure it out I don't know um the Yankees do this with every. They've done it with Miguel Andujar. They've done it with Clint Frazier. Um, they've done it with Justice Sheffield. They decided to not include him in a Manny Machado package, and then just decided to trade him six months later for James Paxson. And like I, the decisions here, they they let all these assets wither away. Like if you were if you let Davey Garcia for three years pitch for you with a six plus ERA and had him take up a forty man roster spot, and you thought that was a good decision, like after year one, a year and a half into that. They never cut the cord. Like, I'll even argue, they did this with Mike Talkman, in my opinion. 2019, Mike Talkman, they got Mike Talkman for absolutely nothing. Mike Talkman lit it up in 2019, then he got injured, and that derailed the whole um, postseason run uh, that that we'll look back on. But, like, then you're not going to trade him that offseason when you have, you know, when you have an excess of outfielders, when his value is at a high, and then he craters in 2020, and then he starts off the season poorly in 2021, and then you just trade him for a reliever. Like, it's th- this organization watches so many assets depreciate. They screw with so many young talents. They, they screwed with Miguel and Duhar trying to move him to the corner outfield um, and then refused to trade him for whatever reason when Gio Rochella took over the third base job. Um Clint Frazier was once upon a time, someone we thought could be a contributor. They kept jerking him back and forth between triple a for whatever reason. I know he was a little bit problematic in some instances, and then he had the concussion issues, but um, definitely didn't help his confidence handling him the manner in which they did. Um, And then all combined with all of that, they took way too long to part with all of these players. Miguel Andujar was here until last year when he got traded to the pirates after he made two public snafus about how, um, the Yankees were handling him and throwing him at AAA and not giving a proper opportunity at the MLB level. Clint Frazier was utilized when he was A, injured, B, was incapable of playing defense, and C, wasn't hitting the ball, and then was eventually non-tendered probably a year too late. Um, so I, I hope that I hope that all of these guys are able to – do something elsewhere. I know Frazier had a little bit of success. Frazier with the White Sox too. Frazier had a little bit of success there for a minute. He got called up earlier this year. Um, and Duhar is tearing it up with AAA Indianapolis or whatever. He's absolutely destroying the cover. I was just going to say, when's the last time you checked in on that? Because he's got, he's hitting 362 yeah. with 1,005 OPS. Hilarious. 15 bombs and 79 RBI. But of course, with the big league pirates, he's hitting 161 yeah. this year. So he's just a AAA Hall of Famer, I think. Yeah. But that's fun, I guess. 
It's just it's asset mismanagement by this team. It's it's an unwillingness to act with, um, I would say, uh, uh, a form of haste that is at least strategic. Like if you know you if, if this somebody knew at that point they screwed up Davy Garcia when you saw his twenty twenty one numbers, and then yeah. if you see the way twenty twenty two started, you're like, oh shit, like he might be at the point of no return right now. Um, so I, I don't, it's, it's more of the same and it's more frustrating and that probably brings us into Cashman. Yeah. Well, before we go to cash, let's do one more read. If you sure. have not yet signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, new customers get their first bet and short up to 1250. That's $1,250 for the real gamblers out there. Not $12 and 50 cents. Like your boy <laughs> by using our code YGY full while signing up. That's Y-G-Y-F-U-L-L. Not only will your first bet be completely insured, but you'll also be directly supporting the podcast. Isn't that amazing? I don't know why I read it verbatim and it said said that. Oops. Yeah, that's a mistake. So if you haven't already joined the Caesar Sportsbook community, now is the perfect time to make your move. Just remember to enter our code Y-G-Y-Full during signup and place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. I'm Ron Burgundy. Oops. All right. Let's talk about uh, Brian Cashman, who apparently uh, could not be safer, according to all the news that dropped uh, yesterday and today. Um, man, oh, man, is he ever confidently safe as his team uh, gets taken to the woodshed every single night by the 2-84 and 84 Chicago White Sox. I mean, yeah, after you read all this stuff, I was just looking through Twitter before because, Ka- I mean, Cashman's trending every day. It's it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I mean, X knows what I want. It's just yeah. putting Brian Cashman <laughs> on my sidebar. Yeah. Um, and you had that report from Bob Clappish, which we'll, I, I think, elaborate on in a minute. But you could tell the guy knows he's not in trouble whatsoever because his quote after the trade deadline was, Hopefully we got a little better with the Middleton acquisition and hopefully we can get better from within and hopefully we didn't get worse by making a bad decision. So if you're going to the podium to talk to the media after the trade deadline and that's what you have to say, yeah, you know, uh, anything can really happen, guys. So you never really know. You know, it's life. Life's kind of a complicated thing. Um, Good things can happen. Bad things can happen. I could be dumb. I could be smart. Um I could make a mistake. I could make a really good move. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, doesn't sound like a guy with a plan who thought his team was in it to win it, but was wildly underperforming and um, badly needed help on various uh, areas of the roster. Hasn't had a left fielder in two years. Um, offense averaged three runs without their best player. Uh, bullpen started showing cracks once it was overworked. Rotation completely fell apart with injuries and uh, a couple of regressions there. So um yeah sounds like a guy who knows he's not losing his job and now i guess we have confirmation of that from this report which says there's no chance he loses his job for 2024 um aaron boone and d could be on the hot seat again i don't know what that's going to solve good luck have fun um we can have that conversation all day but i think that audio clip from uh clappish on the michael k show that was alarming to me that 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 really made me feel bad i'm just so shocked that like brian cashman still wants to do this like he doesn't want to eat he wants to get whipped by everybody year in year, but I guess he's not. Cause I guess he doesn't read this. Like yeah. he doesn't read Twitter. He just reads people like Andy Martino today who wrote Brian Cashman's obviously a future hall of famer and he's not going anywhere. And he's just like, yeah, I am a future hall of famer. Like 
do you have to refer to him as such every time you write about him? He probably is going to the Hall of Fame. He built a he built this ridiculous streak of Yankee teams that never finish under 500. And that's great. That's, you know, a lot of people are there are a lot of compilers in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right. Like there are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame where you're like, was Harold Baines really that good? Oh, he did have 2,800 hits. So that's a lot. Like that's Brian Cashman. Like, he went to the World Series and won it once. Lost it a couple times with somebody else's core and never finished under 500 until this year. Like, yeah, I guess he's got to go into the Hall of Fame, but if he's in the Hall of Fame. Dave Dombrowski should be. My God. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's a Hall of Famer, and I guess he – and I will be referred to as such, he says when he emails Andy Martino, I'm sure. But why does he want to do this? Why doesn't he want to graduate to an emeritus role? Hi, I'm Brian Cashman, a Hall of Fame GM. I'm going to start the clock on my you know, in, induction speech – by elevating myself to superior ultra GM, but actually handing over the day-to-day operations to some 38-year-old McKinsey, you know, got ex-Orioles efficiency monster. Like, why doesn't he want to do that? I don't understand. Um, and, and also Aaron Boone, apparently on the hot seat, Clappish says he'll be out if they finish fourth or fifth. Well, good luck with that because they're <laughs> finishing fourth or fifth. So I don't know why Bob Clappish holding out hope that they make a miracle run a second. But Who's he getting replaced with? Someone yep. with autonomy? Doubt it. A lot of people in the mentions yesterday were like, Boone should not have brought Severino in. You think that was Aaron Boone's idea? Very yeah. cute. Um, and then there's also sort of this rumor floating around that maybe the analytics team is going to get the blame for this, which valid. I don't think the Yankees analytics team is very good because uh, they made a lot of very popular decisions. Oh, you, you guys came up with the genius idea of getting Joey Gallo? Like, the analytics darling of the entire community of amateur statisticians that live on twitter.com. Like anybody with the ability to see exit velocity go up, strikeout go up is like Joey Gallo's an analytics, you know, God. Um, But he couldn't handle the mental side of New York. You gave up a lot of 40 man chum for Joey Gallo and it didn't work. Like the analytics department, you don't need an analytics department to recommend that. You just need to scroll Twitter and read through somebody's amateur math. Um, and it, clearly they, you know, they don't have the ability to discern, uh, you know, they don't find the missing piece. They just find a lot of incorrect pieces. The injury stuff doesn't seem to factor in. Uh, I mean, Roberto Rosario, the analytics team is actually helmed by Michael Fishman, who's been there forever, but every time you see him on TV, he doesn't seem to be able to, you know, properly state his case he's just like a guy mumbling so if he's gone great uh you know i think the Yankees could certainly upgrade that department <laughs> analytics aren't going anywhere they're the way of the future the Yankees just don't do them very well but brian cashman has overseen a lot of stuff that hasn't worked over the years and he would be overseeing that so i don't know in terms of scapegoats i think that's a better one than firing aaron boone but why not why not all three things yeah, I mean when a when a president when a president's cabinet shits the bed, they don't you know they don't kick the secretary of state out of office and leave the fucking president there. Like Brian Cashman has oversaw his job is to oversee everything that runs the Yankees, um, and whether there is a problem here or a problem there, that's his responsibility to clean up. Um, the scary part of the Clappers report was that he was saying. At one point he said, like, Howe didn't even really want the Yankees in that audio clip, said that uh, he's very passive, he doesn't like firing people, and that this Yankees team is Brian Cashman's team, whereas in yes, you know, yesteryear it was George Steinbrenner's team and everything went through him. So it doesn't seem like a lot of or any of the baseball decisions go through Hal Steinbrenner unless it's uh, 
um, a midnight call for uh, to up Aaron Judge's offer for sixty million dollars um, because he's the one who wields the checkbook. So that's that's the only thing that um, that's the only thing that he, he's probably on call for in an offseason when th- there could potentially be a lot of turmoil and he's responsible for doling out the money. Um, but yeah, if he's going to sit there and Cashman has. Um, you know, ironclad job security for whatever reason. And Hal's fine with quote the product, as long as they finish above 500 and um, you know, or if they, or if they sneak into the postseason, which they're probably not going to do at this rate. Cause again, they did not get better. Um, doesn't sound like Hal Steinburn is a baseball guy. That's, that's kind of my opinion, because if you're a baseball guy and you're following the team and then your GM steps to the media and says what he says after the trade deadline and does what he does after the trade deadline, then you would have some sort of inclination to say, Hey, Brian, um, you have time to come upstairs for a second. Um, just watch what happened um, in the media room. And what the fuck are you doing? Because none of this makes sense. If you watch baseball, every Yankee fan is in alignment with everything that's happening right now. There is nobody who's, who is holding out. Well, I think there's like 13 year olds who are like holding out hope. Be like, yeah, we could make a run, you know, at the end of the season, you never Giancarlo Stanton can get hot. It'll be great. There are definitely, there are definitely 13 year olds on Twitter who are like, here's why you don't count the Yankees out. Like, here's why you don't count the Yankees out yet. They've been historically unlucky with their hard contact rates. Like what is it? August 10th, not bad luck anymore. Just, just, just the way that they're constructed. They're just not good. Correct. Um, and yeah, the fact that well, he well, Cashman just got a four-year extension before this season. Um, Yankees don't like to break contracts, so that's why it's shocking to hear that Boone because they could just keep Boone for one more year. Yeah, and then it's a team option, and then they could just say we've mutually agreed to part ways, and then they yeah. you know, they do their little PR dance and do their salute. We didn't fire anybody. We don't have a toxic environment. Um, they like to let all of this, it's, it goes in the philosophy with everything dwindling down. They let everything dwindle down to the last second. And then it makes it seem like, you know, they're not at fault for whatever had deteriorated or whatever took a wrong turn. But yeah, this is concerning because you had Michael Kay on the show the day before Michael Kay voice of the Yankees. Mm -hmm. The problem with the Yankees is the roster. Because I think a caller, uh, a caller phoned in and was like, you got to be kidding me with Aaron Boone. This guy does, can't tell his fucking ass from his elbow. And it's that classic. And it makes sense because Aaron Boone doesn't really. And he's, he, you know, you have the pinch hit situation last night with Volpe. When Oswald what the was, fuck uh, was that? Yeah, he's not a good manager, but he's also not holding this. He is not responsible for, t- uh, you know, 12 losses this season that should have the Yankees, you know, theoretically 10 to 12 wins better. He's probably responsible for four or five. And then either way, it doesn't matter because the amount of games that this team has lost by simply not hitting baseballs or making dumb defensive plays or making dumb defensive, uh, making dumb uh, base running decisions like they did in the first inning last night when they decided to send Jake Bowers to third on an Aaron Judge single when the ball was already in Luis Roberts' glove. Like That was an awesome way to start things great off, way. by the way. Great way to kill the momentum. Huge game, huge game. Let's just go first to third, make the first out at third, and then in the second inning, make the third out at second on an Isaiah kiner Falefa steal. Uh, dressed for success. You guys are great. <laughs> So Michael, oh yeah. Anyway, what, what I was saying, Michael K. Michael K. So someone called criticizing Boone, and he said Boone's not the problem. The problem is the roster construction and the injuries, and those go hand in hand because Brian Cashman has acquired countless players who are injury prone or who have injury histories, and decided that that's a worthwhile gamble to take over and over and over again, and has 
how lopsided personnel. There are people who can't play certain positions. We haven't had a backup first baseman. We have a backup first baseman dating back to last year. I don't even the DJ yesterday. Yeah, it was yeah. Billy McKinney yesterday. Yeah. That, that was Jake great. Bauer, yeah, they finally got Jake Bowers in at first base after Anthony Rizzo went on the aisle. That's his natural position, not the outfield. Isaiah Connor falafa has been playing the outfield, which is not now he's playing all over the infield and he looks great filling in at third base. That's that's the way he's got to be utilized. Meanwhile, last year they utilized him at shortstop for the entire season when he's not a shortstop. Um, you know, you have uh, um, Glaber Torres play, playing just an underwhelming second base. There's no desire to to up his defensive IQ or just fine tune his his glove, which obviously has potential because he makes incredible web gems. And then made two of them last night, two amazing plays, and then he tries to heave ho he tries to olay a fucking squibbler and it goes into the outfield and scores a run so michael michael k saying that the roster problem the the problem with this team is roster construction which implies that brian cashman is at fault i think is is probably where we should be trusting um you know that type of analysis and, and that sort of opinion um and not be blaming aaron boone for this team simply not getting the job done I don't have a full throw to defensive Aaron Boone, which is not good because I should have that after so many years of managing. But it's obviously one roster construction, two players on the field, three Aaron Boone. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, honestly, organization as a whole, maybe before Aaron Boone, enablers from the top down. Hal Steinbrenner, just a a misguided ethos, not in the upper echelon of major league organizations anymore. They're just not. (laughs) Um, you know, it's, it's an Aaron judge team. It's Aaron judge. If Aaron judge is off the rails, if Aaron judge is injured, there's nobody here. There's nothing, uh, and nobody to pick up his slack. Um, which leads us right into Everson Pereira, who you want to make the end of this season, at least a little bit tolerable, call him up, call him up. He's sitting three forty at triple a with power hit an opposite field, three run homer yesterday. That would have looked great into the porch, but guess what? August 18th is the date where the Yankees can call him up and he does not accrue the full year of service time that strips his rookie status for next year. They ain't calling him up before then. Uh, but it all it does is expose more, more lies, more lies from the front office because uh, this team's in it to win it at the deadline, but we didn't get anybody. But the prospects are coming, but the prospects aren't coming until August 18th. So we just sort of tell you that they came, and isn't that nice? We inserted them into everything, and and now they've changed the makeup of the lineup. Well, that's fantastic. You're already five and a half out if not further than that in another week, Uh, a week where they play the Marlins and Braves. Best of luck to you, tip of the cap. Uh, So they're going to call Everson Pereira up as a false hustle move, get his feet wet for 2024. He'll make it. I'll I'll watch his debut. I want to see what that looks like. But come on, guys. You're you're not a fully operational Death Star. You're not in it to win it. You're not plugging your holes. You're just calling up. you're, You're manipulating service time as a $290 million enterprise that could not get under the Steve Cohen tax at this underwhelming trade deadlines to be paying through the nose for this poor production. And then you're going to, you know, put some frosting on that terrible cake on August 18th, when you can with while incurring the least amount possible penalty, you're going to put Everson Pereira on this team. I'm excited to watch him and I will watch, but there'll be no hope at that point. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're simply, you're not a fully operational death star. If you're worried about service time, you're not, you're, that's what, that's what, uh, smaller market teams do to save money you're a partially Um, operational death boat (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean at this point with how uh bad the outfield production has been again it's just kind of a situation like with luis severino 
you can't get much worse. So what's the harm in trying somebody who is on fire? Human element. Human element. We'll talk about it with this front office every episode probably. Um, Everson Prayer tearing the cover off the ball. Probably should just fucking call him up while he's doing that instead of him eventually cooling off because hot streaks don't last forever. And then you call him up when he's uh, slumping a little bit and then he starts facing major league league pitching and then he's a little bit lost. Um, Either way, they make the wrong decision. They kind of always will. But yeah, finger not on the pulse. I think pretty good example of that is what happened at this trade deadline. Um, Michael Lorenzen. Hindsight's 2020. We didn't know if Lorenzen was a surefire asset. He had only been a starter. This was his second year as a starter, and he was partially injured last year. So you didn't really get the full sample size from him. But I don't know, man. Dave Dombrowski goes out. He trades a top five prospect for the guy, and he's thrown 17 innings of two-run ball and threw a no-hitter last night against the Nationals. First start with them was eight innings, two runs. I think he gave up like six hits and a walk over eight innings. Um, I don't know. Brian Cashman's telling me that the team was in it to win it. It very much needed starting pitching. This team has a surplus of prospects at a multitude of positions, whether it's middle infield, whether it's starting pitching, whether it's outfield, you're telling me there wasn't one guy in like your top 10, you could have convinced the Tigers to trade for Michael Lorenzen. If you were convinced that you could get better. And then I don't know if you look ahead Three weeks, you could say, you know what, if he has a good stretch with us, we can give him the qualifying offer and then he'll decline it. And then we could get a draft pick out of it or he'll accept it. And we'll just have a pretty good starting pitcher at a decent price for 2024. And we'll have less heavy lifting to do in the offseason. So it's like, and he's a good story too, reliever, outfielder, now a starter and is having, having really good uh, two, first two seasons in that role. So Again, it's like it's these opportunities where there's just there. I feel like there's not even a thought. It's like they look at a name on a piece of paper and they're like, nope, next. Nope. I don't like that. Let's let's see. Like the read into a single situation, have have any sort of insight that goes beyond just analyzing numbers. I don't know. I feel like that's a miss. I feel like that's an easy thing they could have done. Yeah, I mean, there's a silly way to have this conversation, which is like, oh, a guy just threw a no-hitter? Like, yeah. Yeah, you should have gotten him. Of course. But Michael Lorenzen, all-star starter, but back end of that tier. Like, yeah. you know, lower tier all-star. Even at the all-star break this year, he was like, I don't know why I made the team. I should not have. Very funny. He had like a 4-2-8 ERA. Solid innings-eating starter for the Tigers with high upside. Yeah. Occasionally, he dominates. Occasionally, he homers. He, he's a great hitter. He, he like turned himself into an offensive weapon with the Reds. And when he was with the Angels, he was kind of flirting with doing both or whatever. Just an interesting personality, a winner, somebody who lost his father pretty tragically and like had a huge game for Cincinnati around the anniversary of that death and threw a no hitter yesterday. Uh, also around the anniversary of that death, which sort of goes beyond the baseball field. Um, so not saying, hey, some guy just threw a no-hitter just after the trade deadline. Why didn't we trade for that guy? But low-cost all-star, uh, the Phillies sent a middle infield prospect who ranked, I think, 18th on Phillies' top 30 prospects list, immediately slotted in with Tigers as their sixth prospect. So Phillies five. I kept trying to read because I thought it was that, too. It said he was top five in the Phillies. All right. Well, well there you go. You know, it, it's, it's a mid-tier prospect, but it's only one. Yeah. So it's like – That's what I'm saying. Warren, yeah. 
Will Warren or, you know, somebody in the middle of the Yankee, even Trey Sweeney for Michael Lorenzen. Like it's it. The name is kind of you might cringe at first, but, you know, you're trying to make a playoff push. And the Phillies from last season know that all you have to do is get in because then you can make a run. Dave Dombrowski is saying, I like the person. I like the makeup. I also like the player. This one might come back to bite me. But you know what? At the end of the day, I can I can replenish what I lost. It's just one guy. And if the Tigers get something they like out of me, then they might even go, hey, I like dealing with that guy. I think I'll deal with that guy again in the future. Brian Cashman does not want to lose a trade, refuses to lose nope. a small trade, refuses to take the risk, refuses to say, I like the person, I kind of like the player, but I also like just stay and put. There's a chance we could get better, but man, there's a chance we could not get better. And then I'll look like a fool having given up exactly one prospect. So I won't do that. And then you know what? Dave Dabrowski bought himself that goodwill, right? He bought himself that goodwill with the Tigers by flipping them a piece that they really liked. Brian Cashman has uh, people screw the Yankees at the Yankees tax and these trade talks all the time. Cause who likes dealing with Brian Cashman? He gives the Rangers for, for, uh, you know, he, for, in the Joe Gallo trade, he's like, here's a bunch of guys we weren't going to protect anyway. I hope you guys can make something of them. They do. Zeke Duran is good. Uh, Frankie Montez trade. He waits for Frankie Montez's shoulder to get hurt so that he's like, uh, Oswald Peraza. Sorry. He's off the table. Would you like an assortment of pitching prospects? And the A's are like, fine, but we're sending you an injured guy. You know that, right? And Cashman's like, fine with me he goes and gets an injured guy um when has he ever bought himself goodwill by losing a trade he devalues the assets he has by sitting on them once he hoards them he doesn't promote them and he never takes a chance on a guy like lorenzen on a mid-tier target that could boom or bust that's all we're saying yeah um hi you lee 20 year old middle infielder uh mlb pipeline had him at number five for phillies baseball america had him at number eight i'm more inclined to believe baseball america i think that's better evaluation system um, and then if you want to just, you know, look at what the Yankees would have had to offer in their top 10 for, again, a starting pitcher who would have been valuable in any really scenario for what they were doing, you have, you know, Yoandres Gomez. I don't know if you, I don't know if they want to trade like Will Warren, but like, or Trey Sweeney. Are you, are you serious about like, I don't know. I don't know. Again, you have to give to get, especially at a deadline that had, um, very little to offer and the sellers, you know, it was, uh, it was, the sellers were a little bit more in control. I would say this time around because of the limited field and, um, a lot of teams determining that they would be contending for, or at least pushing for a playoff spot. Um, but again, yeah, if you're going for it, if you believe in the roster, there can't be, there can't be these carefully constructed trade packages to minimize the most risk possible because you're afraid of looking like an idiot. You look more like an idiot when you do nothing or when you trade for players who can't play for you, which is what the Yankees have been doing for the last three years. Well, we're in it to win it. We'll be in it to win it for the rest of the season. Can't wait to watch the remainder of this beautiful campaign. And thanks for joining us again today on the stream or on the audio feed, wherever you are, wherever you did join us. We appreciate you hanging out because it's tough. It's event session. It's therapy session. Every time I opened up this episode by screaming, a guy have no voice. I do another podcast in a half hour. I can't talk. I need to do a tea bath. I need to gargle hot honey water. Um, but it's been fun. We're here every Monday and Thursday, two o'clock Eastern. And again, on all podcast platforms, if you miss the stream, um, I'm sure we'll have nothing nice to talk about on Monday after the Yankees get done in Miami. It's great to have an off day though. It really does. Uh, feels pretty good to have a day off here. No baseball tonight. I'm going to enjoy a burger tonight. What a wonderful, 
what a wonderful thing that is to live in this beautiful country and be able to eat a hamburger. Um, never take that for granted because you could be sitting at home watching the New York Yankees. My name is Adam Weinrib. I'm on Twitter. I'm on X at Adam Weinrib. I wish I wasn't, but I am. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Hit me up at Tommy's underscore takes. Reach out to both of us. Official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Pretty good time there. You never know who's responding. That's why we love it. Uh, head on over to <laughs> YanksGoYard.com. All the content there for you. you guys have been doing a great job reading. Um, we had a lot of good stuff up there. We're reacting to everything in real time. We're just as frustrated as you are. And if we could channel that and uh, have the community come together, then we're doing our jobs. And we're glad that you guys are enjoying it. So thank you once again. Um, enjoy the off day. Please do something productive, something creative, something fulfilling. And then enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern live right here. See ya, everybody. Yeah, paint a picture. Write a song. Yeah. Invent a sandwich. Don't think about the New York Yankees. We'll see you on Monday. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.